This is Express FM. Supported by Southern Co-op. We are passionately Pompey. It is a new era at Fratton Park. There's a new man down there in the dugout. What a goal! Far on pack! A wonderful strike! Pure, unadulterated Pompey. Absolutely thrilled to be here. You know, everything that I was expecting coming into the city and coming into the football club has been matched and more. Action and reaction. I think you probably saw on the pitch that there was a lot that we'd worked on in a short space of time. I think it's really good positive signs for the future. Certainly really excited to be playing under him and excited for what we can achieve this season now. Giving Pompey fans a voice. It's been immensely frustrating to still be in League One after six years. This is the Football Hour. Fans interest in this division peaked a long time ago and it's stagnating. We've got to get out of this division and into the championship. It was almost a good Friday for Portsmouth at Stadium MK. Now Lauer in the middle of the MK Don's half lays it off for Raggett. There's options to the right. Raggett with a cross to the far post. It's a good one. Ogilvy's there and Ogilvy scored! A brilliant goal! Raggett cross, Ogilvy volley into the bottom corner. However, a second half equaliser from the hosts means the Blues are now five points adrift off the playoff positions. Lecco to Makoma, edge of the box. Makoma might hit this one left footed, he does. And it's loose in the penalty area and it's going to fall for Misa and it's into the net. And MK Dons have got the leveller. So dropped points last time out, but Pompey will be hoping to rise again on Easter Monday when they host Morecambe at Fratton Park. However, they'll have to do it without this man. What's going on? What's the chat about now then, Andrew? Red card. There's a red card. Is it for Joe Morell? Yeah. Or is it for Sean Raggett? It's for Joe Morell has been sent off. And that will be a four-match ban if that is upheld. We'll look ahead to tomorrow's game, but not before picking apart the key talking points from Friday's stalemate with MK Dons and hearing what John Bassino had to say about why he set the team up in the way that he did. We wanted to start the game fast. We wanted to control the game, especially here on a big pitch, a good big pitch, and there's two sides that want to dominate possession. And and I thought we did a really good job of doing that and and came out, got the goal, fully deserved it. And I thought we looked threatening to go and get another. And we also want to hear from you tonight, please, Blues fans. Could the looming absence of Joe Morrell prove costly to Pompey's playoff push, or can they cope without him for the next four matches? In your opinion, did John Messino choose the wrong approach to the second half on Friday? And can his side get back to winning ways tomorrow against Morecambe? Get in touch with all of your thoughts, questions and score predictions between now and 7. To do so, either text your name and message, starting with the word EXPRESS to 81400. Email sport at expressfm.com, tweet your comments and include at expressfm at the end on Twitter, or find us over at facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. Well, I hope you're having a cracking Easter weekend. Thank you for joining us on it. You're listening to 93.7 Express FM, and this is the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. A very good evening and welcome to what is a bit of a change to the regular Sunday schedule here on Express. With Pompey in action on Friday and again tomorrow, we've had to move a few things around to ensure we've got you covered with the usual amount of previewing and reaction of the Blues League fixtures. And tonight we're on hand to provide analysis from Friday's stalemate with MK Dons and look ahead to tomorrow's visit of Morecambe to PO4. Once again, the Football Hour is brought to you by Stagecoach across the south be sure to download their app now to locate your nearest stop and view up-to-date easter weekend timetables simply search for stagecoach on your phone provider's relevant app store now 
We'll get through the uh, thoughts of my sole guest this evening, Alex Fletcher, very, very shortly. But first, let's take a short trip back to Good Friday, when Pompey travelled to struggling MK Dons, who, despite battling to retain their place in the division, went into kickoff, having gone four games unbeaten. Plenty on the line for both sides at Stadium MK, where Andy Moon provided a commentary alongside former blue striker Guy Whittingham. Everything we do is passionately pumping. A wonderful goal! Every second of the action is right here. Shoot scores! 90 minutes of passionately pumpy commentary. He scored! This is... You want to believe it! Pompey Live. Portsmouth against MK Dons. The race for a place in the top six as the ball goes over Cole Bishop's head and or off his head and out of play for an MK Dons throw. And free kicks in from the left. It's 15, 20 yards inside the MK Dons half. And now Lauer in the middle of the MK Dons half lays it off for Raggett. There's options to the right. Raggett with a cross to the far post. It's a good one. Elgobi's there. And Elgobi scored. A brilliant goal. any better than that MK Dons nail Pompey 1 corner kick on the right for Portsmouth to defend in front of the Pompey fans flat ball to the far post Macy comes only gets a hand to it Pack helps it out the penalty area foul committed Morell's the man on the floor Pompey free kick danger is over for now what's going on what's the chat right now then Andrew red card there's a red card is it for Joe Morell yeah or is it for Sean Raggett it's for Joe Morell has been sent off has that come from? Joe Morell has been shown a red card. Well, it must have been from the incident that saw him on the floor in the penalty area. Uh, well, he must have said something to the referee as well. Straight red for Joe Morell, and that will be a four-match ban if that is upheld. And I'm looking around me, and nobody has the faintest idea why Joe Morell has just been sent off. Lecco to Makoma, edge of the box. Makoma might hit this one left-footed, he does, and it's loose in the penalty area, and it's going to fall for Misa, and it's into the net! Pass from Tunnicliffe and Pompey looking to try and build. Rafferty's gone forward and Raggett's looked for him with the pass. It's a good ball and Rafferty's going to get on the end of it. And Pompey on the attack and it's a great run from Rafferty into the MK Don's box. He chips it in the middle. It's over Bishop's head and Tunnicliffe is going to pick it up on the left wing. Tunnicliffe, can he deliver something into the box to Piggott back to goal? Laying it off. Pack into the area. Piggott, his shot. Oh, he's hit the bar and gone over. Holland trying to cross it into the middle. There's nobody there. And it's going to go behind. And it's a goal kick. And you would think that will be that. That is that. Porters have battled with ten men for much of the game. They've come away with a point. Every second of the action is right here. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. There we are then, the action from Pompey's Good Friday stalemate with MK Dons. Right, looking over some of the other results from the division on Good Friday and a full fixture list in League One. First of all, saw Atkinson Stanley victorious by three goals to nil over Port Vale. Bristol Rovers won Charlton Athletic nil. Elsewhere, Burton Albion 2 
Barnsley 1. Big shock at the Pirelli Stadium. Cambridge United 2, Fleetwood 1, Exeter City 0, Bolton Wanderers 1, Forest Green Rovers 0, Derby County 2, Ipswich 4, Wickham Wanderers 0, Lincoln City 2, Cheltenham Town 0, Morecambe 1, Plymouth Argyle 3, Plymouth Argyle uh, turning that one around having been a goal behind at the break. Elsewhere, Oxford United 1, Sheffield Wednesday 1 and Shrewsbury 0, Peterborough United 3. Right, that has a lot of ramifications for the current League 1 table. Plymouth Argyle, three wins in a row, they remain top of the division. Ipswich Town, eight league victories on the bounce. They are second, two points behind Plymouth Argyle, having played the same amount of games. And this is where it gets interesting. Sheffield Wednesday, we seem to be repeating this every football hour over the past uh, fortnight or so. They'd previously gone 23 league matches without defeat since the start of October. Since then, their last victory was at Fratton Park against Pompey, a 1-0 win at PO4. Since then, they failed to win any of their last six in the division, drawing the last three consecutively overall, four draws and two defeats within the last six. They are now third, level on points with Ipswich with 81, but having played a game more. Barnsley seem to be in a, in a bit of a league of their own in fourth. Uh, they have 75 points, six points behind Sheffield Wednesday, but also eight points ahead of fifth place Bolton, who are level on points with sixth place Peterborough and seventh position Derby County. Wickham and Pompey both have 62 points on the board, five points behind the playoff positions with six games remaining. And Shrewsbury Town with 55, three defeats on the spin. They look likely, although not impossible for them, but unlikely now to um, go for a playoff position this season. Down at the bottom, Forest Green Rovers remain rooted to the foot of the table. They've got 26 points. Uh, tomorrow's opponents, Morecambe at Fratton Park. They have 34 points in 23rd, joined alongside Cambridge United. And despite victory on Friday, Accrington Stanley, who are one point behind Oxford United in the final current safe position. Oxford, who Pompey face in just over a week's time. No win in their last six. Three defeats, uh, three draws uh, on the bounce. Sorry, they have 39 points, one point behind uh, or in front of that relegation zone at the moment. So, alongside me to talk all things League One, Pompey, and of course, look ahead to the visit of Morecambe to Fratton Park tomorrow afternoon. Very <coughs> pleased to welcome onto the show Mr. Alex Fletcher. Alex, first of all, a very big thank you to joining us on what is uh, an Easter Sunday and, and a cracking one as well. The weather is fantastic outside. Thanks, Jake. Yeah, no worries at all. Uh, very happy to be on again. Gets me out of, uh, you know, Awkward family dinner conversations, as per <laughs> usual. So, uh, so uh, yeah, happy to be on. Uh, so, we'll go to Friday's game with MK Dons. We'll really pick that apart as we go on between now and seven o'clock. But first of all, just want to really highlight some of the key results from the weekend and go over that League One table in a bit more detail. Now, Alex, we mentioned there um, Ipswich 4-0 winners over Wickham. Wickham, of course, one of Pompey's potential rivals for a playoff position. Wickham have gone four games without a win, whereas Pompey are five unbeaten, although two draws in their last three. Five points behind the playoff positions as things stand. Alex, Looking at that League One table, given the form of Wickham, given the fact that Derby, their victory on Friday, was their first um, in four matches. OK, five points adrift with six games remaining. Is there still a chance, realistically thinking? Yeah, definitely. But it is all dependent completely on 
on how consistent we're able to be going into the, the last stage of the season. You look at the next four games we've got before the final two against Derby and Wickham, all four of those realistically have to be wins uh, because, you know, you can't go up again. You, know, you have to be within touching distance of Derby or Wickham or perhaps even some of the other teams above us or indeed ahead of them to have any chance of getting into that top six. So I think realistically it's a, maybe not win every game, but probably win at least five of the six and maybe get a point in the other one. Apart from that, I really cannot see it happening because there's just so many teams chasing mm. probably two positions, probably fifth and sixth. And I say that's what makes the MK Dons result so much more frustrating because we would have been a lot closer to it with a lot more in the mix. It's, it's still on, there's still an opportunity, but we have to win at least win our next four before we can even think about anything else. And that's got to start tomorrow. Yeah. And looking where Pompey would like to be at this present moment in time, Alex, and if we are in League One next season, hopefully where we'll be uh, in this time in 12 months. Um, at the top of the table, very, very big changes there. We mentioned Sheffield Wednesday without a win in their last six after what was an incredible run uh, between October and uh, really the end of March, really, for Sheffield Wednesday. They find themselves out of the top two, out of the automatic promotion spaces on goal difference and having played one game more than both the sides above them. Alex, I've seen bottles from from many sides in many divisions over the years, but this seems to be an utter capitulation for Darren Moore's team and they'll be very frustrated with fans, I imagine, if they don't get promotion this season. I mean, yeah, I mean, it makes that 1-0 defeat at home that we had a few weeks ago at Fratton Park all the more frustrating because... You know, you, you think that was almost sort of at the start of that really poor spell of form. But I mean, I suppose it just goes to show that, and that's what perhaps gives us hope, is that it, you know, it really isn't over until it's over. But I mean, 23 games unbeaten, you know, the majority of them being wins, sort of you know, flying higher. up was pretty them and Plymouth, um, sort of you know, flying high, looking like it was going to be in the top two. And I think it's just, it, it's a key mentality of a, of a team that, that wants to get promoted is you can lose games and you can fall to defeats and drop points in disappointing manners, but you have to be able to pick yourself back up really quickly. And, and Sheffield Wednesday just don't seem to have been able to do that in, in any way, shape or form. And, and considering the Ipswich have found some form at this moment in time, listen, there's six games to go. Mm-hmm. It's still very tight. There's, it, I fully anticipate there's going to be plenty more twists and turns within that top three and indeed the race for the top six. Uh, so there's a lot could change, but yeah, my goodness, if Sheffield Wednesday find themselves in the playoffs and not in the top two at the end of the season, their fans are going to be absolutely furious. And the likelihood is teams that go all the way in an automatic promotion race and then drop into the playoffs, I think, rarely end up winning those playoff competitions because they're mm-hmm. just putting so much into the campaign to reach the top two. So for them, they may be thinking it could be top two or bust as, as far as promotion is concerned. Yeah, and that was really my next point, Alex. If Pompey are able to creep into that top six, finish you know, either fifth or sixth, most likely in sixth position, that final playoff place, you do then head into the semi-finals of the playoffs against whoever finishes third or, or indeed fourth, of course. Those would be a side that have just missed out on automatic promotion. Let's face it, whether it's Plymouth Argyle, whether it's Ipswich, whether it's Sheffield Wednesday, or maybe even Barnsley, whoever finishes in that third spot will be very very aggrieved as you've just mentioned and will be on on, on a bit of a dark, downward spiral not just sort of physically but also mentally to try and take in the fact they've not been able to secure promotion to the championship automatically they've had to go through the playoff system do you think that if it's Pompey or, or whoever finishes in that sixth position they can really take advantage of the fact that they've obviously ended the season in good form and will go up against the side albeit you know let, let's face it on paper we'll, we'll be completely honest Sheffield Wednesday it's which Plymouth Argyle, whoever it be, on paper do have more quality than the likes of maybe Bolton, Peterborough, Pompey or Derby. But mentally, it could go in the favour of that side that are lower down on the table in that playoff system, though. 
Oh, 100%. I think it's the inverse is true of, of a team that drops out of top two into third place and ends up in the playoffs. For a team that's just had, and this is why I say, you know, if we get five, you know, five wins, six wins, whatever it is, we can make that late run for the playoffs, then we will be in very, very good shape, I feel. Because as I say, that momentum carries you through. It's a massive, massive factor when it comes to the playoffs. Um, and as I say, I mean, in terms of those teams, you, uh, the form that Sheffield Wednesday are in, the way they've struggled, considering, I mean, even if it was Plymouth, maybe less so Ipswich or Barnsley, but one of those top two who have been in the top two for the majority of the season, if one of those two were to drop into third place and would then have to come and face a playoff game at Fratton Park, I mean, really, I think most people would 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 back back Pompey in that respect because, as you said, and not just Fratton Park, some of the other grounds, I mean, you look at sort of Bolton, Derby, Wickham, those are difficult places to go mm-hmm. in League One. It, it's, it's Anyone's going to back them, which is why I still think that it's a realistic ambition for us to try and get into that sixth spot because I know it's just creeping into the playoffs, but momentum carries you through so much and you know, you've got, I think the, the the third and sorry the fourth and fifth playoff is the more tricky one to call mm. a lot of the time. So I mean, yeah, we, we've got to go for it. There's going to be some, as I say, twists and turns as the season goes on. It's going to be interesting to see who finishes in that third place. But if it's one of Plymouth or Sheffield Wednesday, I would be very surprised if one of those teams then went on to win the playoffs. And if they do. Well, then that shows some superb mentality. Yeah. Alex, thank you very much. We'll be back with even more from yourself in just a few moments' time. 81400, but number to text if you'd like to add anything to what myself and Alex have said so far. After the break, we'll continue to um, go through the League One table and we'll start to pick apart Pompey's display at MK Dons on Friday. You can also tweet at ExpressFM, email sport at expressfm.com, or find us over at facebook.com forward slash. Pompey Live. And when we do return, you'll not only hear from myself and Alex and hopefully a few of you guys back home as well, but also head coach John Musino, who spoke after the game on Friday, defending his team's style in that second half. We sat in, but my thought was that they're going to have to come and break us down. And we did really well to prevent them from really having any chances in the second half. They had the goal, which was the second phase from a set piece with the ball sort of bobbled around in the box and broke to them. And then there was the long range shot from 40 yards, which Matt saved really well. Apart from that, Matt had nothing else to do. We'll take a listen to the full interview with the Blues head coach, as well as more from myself and Alex Fletcher. Stick with us. We'll be back in just a few moments. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. The new Stagecoach Flexi 5, a bus ticket that works when you do. For those who travel often, but not every day. These new flexible bus tickets are available as Flexi 5. Bundles of five day riders for the price of four. And Flexi 10, bundles of 10 day riders for the price of seven. Flexi tickets are now available to download via the Stagecoach bus app. Download Flexi 5 or Flexi 10 from Apple App Store or Google Play today. For more information, visit stagecoachbus.com. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. Welcome back to the Football Hour here on Express FM, driven to you by Stagecoach Across the South. You can visit their website right now, stagecoachbus.com, to find out more information on the services they can provide in your area. Join myself, Jake Smith, alongside Alex Fletcher on this uh, Easter Sunday special of the Football Hour. A slight change to the scheduling, of course, we're normally on Monday and Friday evenings. However, as it's Easter and Pompey playing on Good Friday and Easter Monday, we've had to move it around a little bit. So thank Thank you very much for tuning in um, and, uh, and and listening to us. And we've got a preview of the Blues against Morecambe 
tomorrow to come in just a few moments time but now we're going to start to really dissect the ins and outs from Friday's stalemate with MK Dons at Stadium MK and Alex will start off really with the goal it came after just 14 minutes Connor Ogilvy converting a, a really nice low volley cushioned into the far corner after what was a superb cross in from Sean Raggett from the right hand side and Alex two players you couldn't really imagine you wouldn't put any money on at the start of the game as to as to putting on to get the assist and get the goal but it was Sean Raggett to Connor Ogilvy to give Pompey the lead and it was a well taken finish as well I mean, who knew Sean Raggett had that in his locker? Honestly, it was <laughs> an absolutely fantastic ball in and it was a superb finish from Ogilvy. He's, he's definitely got goals within his game. He's obviously a full-back. He, he has played in midfield before. I think uh, when, he was, uh, when he was picked up from Gillingham, they said that, um, that he definitely had an eye for goal. He was someone that, that, uh, that could pick a finish, that would get up the pitch, likes to attack. And I think um, that's been proved when he's been in the Pompey shirt. I think the problem he's had with this season is the, the amount of time he's spent playing on the right-hand side rather than the left-hand side under Danny Cowley. Just sort of destroyed his confidence a little bit. Mm. But I have seen recently that he's sort of come back into form and it was a brilliantly taken goal. And and I think it was a goal that we deserved in, in, in that first half, particularly in those sort of opening 20, 25 minutes. I think we were on top. We were exploiting the spaces. The creative players were picking pockets. And um, yeah, it was just a brilliant goal. I mean, but I must have, I missed the the build-up. I just saw the finish <laughs> as I was watching on iFollow. And when my dad turned to me and said it was Sean Raggett that put the ball in, I, I honestly was absolutely gobsmacked. But, but there we go. You know, maybe he's the most creative player on our team now. And with Joe Morrell out, we're certainly going to need a bit of that. Mm. Talk about Joe around just a second, but go back to the goal, um, Alex, with, with Conor Ogilvy getting on the score sheet. He is still Pompey's second top goal scorer of this season. But heading into the, the rema- remainder of the campaign, we know five points adrift off the playoff positions, and okay, only only a stalemate on Friday with MK Dons, where it really could have been uh, even more. We'll come and talk about why that wasn't the case in a moment. But with Conor Ogilvy on the score sheet, does that give you? Some sort of hope heading heading into this running that we, we we don't necessarily have to just rely on Colby Bishop putting the, putting the ball into the back of the net because it would seem over the last couple of weeks but that that maybe has been the case. I mean, yeah, you focus on Bishop as your as your focal point because generally he has uh, proved himself to be quite a clinical finisher. Of course, he's missed one or two chances. I think every striker in the world misses opportunities, but he's certainly a clinical finisher and he's also a good target man for crosses into the box and held the ball up well. Um, as well, if you you know, sort of looking up from the back, but he isn't something that we, someone who we should necessarily rely on. If anything, I think we've got a slight issue now of, of not having uh, sort of Ronan Curtis available because he's more of a natural winger than Michael Jacobs is on the left. So mm. Jacobs is going to want to create for Bishop rather than cut in and score himself. Owen Dale, his finishing just doesn't seem to be particularly up to scratch at this moment in time. Um, whoever plays in that attacking mid position, I think, is more likely to score than anybody else on the pitch, barring Colby Bishop. I think if you, you know, we've had sort of Hackett play in that position, he's been able to pick up a few goals, even Jacobs when he's played there at times. And and even Jerome Morrell, I think, picked up his first Portsmouth goal this season when he played there. So there's certainly options in that in that area. But listen, if we have to focus on Bishop, if we have to put the ball in the box to him and he has to be the one to finish the chances, then so be it. It's a case of getting, you know, I don't think he's the only natural finisher in the team, as we saw with Ogilvy on, on, on Friday. But he certainly is the focal point of our attack. And if we have to rely on him, then so be it. Just four minutes after Pompey took the lead at Stadium MK on Friday, Michael Jacobs had advanced into the box. It was a nice ball through to him uh, from Colby Bishop. He went down under a challenge in the box. The referee not interested. Um, Alex, given that incident, were Pompey deserving off a spot kick in that one? You've certainly seen them given, but maybe it was a little bit too soft. I think it's one of those, as you say, you've seen them given. And it's a sort of situation where, you know, 
there seems to be a lack of consistency. I've been quite scathing of officials at every level of the English game this past week, to be honest with you. And I think it, it's it's a case of consistency. It's not a, mm. a case of whether or not it it genuinely is perceived as a foul or not. The rules have to be clear and consistent for referees to follow them. And at this moment in time, I just don't feel they are. I, you know, you claim for it because you obviously you, know, you support you support Pompey. You're obviously claiming for those kind of things. But but realistically speaking. I, I think it would have been harsh on, yeah. on MK Dons, but then I mean, how on earth do you um, how on earth do you um, sort of try and sort of reconcile that when you see the decision, as, as you say, we're going to talk about with, yeah. with Joe Morrell? Because then you just think, well, if that's going to be given or whatever, then well, you know, just I think you take anything at that moment in time because you feel like the the referees and all the officials and the entire world's against you at that mm-hmm. moment in time. I think. That challenge on um, Michael Jacobs, obviously waved away by the referee, given uh, not a penalty in that instance. I think, yeah, as, as Alex has alluded to there, um, it's one of those you've seen given in games. And from a Pompey perspective, if it's given, you're happy and you potentially turn it up. And yeah, um, if it's against Pompey, if the, if, it, if a shoe's on the other foot and MK Dons receive that penalty, you'd feel it's a bit grievous, a um, bit of a soft decision, but... Uh, yeah, ultimately one that you've seen given it, it certainly does fall in that grey area but yeah back to really the moment that we are all talking about and it is the red card given to Joe Morrell a straight red card on the 39th minute so uh, for, for just over really sort of 50 minutes of that match with Pompey a goal to the good they had their backs to the wall reduced to 10 men Joe Morrell showing a straight red card um, Alex we'll, we'll go through it as we sort of went through it in the press box. Now, to start with, we didn't really know what was going on. The referee had given a free kick to Pompey following a corner. There was some sort of coming together in the box. Uh, Macy had obviously gone to the floor, whether it's a foul on the goalkeeper or, or actually a foul on Joe Morrell himself. The referee has given Pompey a free kick. And then, give it sort of 20 seconds or so, Pompey go to regroup, get back up the pitch and... Joe Morello's in discussion with the referee who just gets his red card out and sends him off. Now, because the press box isn't in the most perfect of locations at Stadium MK, despite the fantastic facility that it is, we're in the far corner, we're very low down, we couldn't actually see the incident. Many Pompey fans behind the goal may have seen it a little bit better. However, looking at the replays, you can see that Daniel Harvey... He does drag Joe Morrell down. He gets him in a a bit of a headlock. His arm is over his neck. He's holding him to the floor. Whether that's intentional or not, I I don't know. I can't comment. Maybe that's just a a product of of what's unfolded and the foul that he's produced. But ultimately, Joe Morrell is in a position where his head is under the arm of Daniel Harvey. Now, in in retaliation, Joe Morrell gets up. His head is already... I must stress this, already from the challenge, it's already birthed sort of within the, the shoulder neck area. He hasn't deliberately head-butted Daniel Harvey. It's not a head-butt, but because his head is already in that position and he's frustrated, he's trying to get up, he says something to Daniel Harvey and in doing so leans his head even further towards the MK Dons player as he gets up. And I think as he gets up, he also knees him in the back. Again, that might just be something that happens because he's trying to get up. I don't know whether it's malicious or not. That is clearly something that Joe Morrell is having in discussion with the referee. But ultimately, Pompey fans, if you've not seen the replay, if you've not seen the incident, that is what happened. Joe Morrell sent off, not for a headbutt, not for a punch, as some um, some woman in the press box at MK Dons was trying to imply. That didn't happen. But um, yeah, it was it was a head lean into Daniel Harvey and a potential nudge in the back um, as, as Joe Morrell was trying to get up. Um, 
Alex, when you when you when you slow mo it, yes, you, you can really pick a few things from that. He, he shouldn't be leaning his head into Daniel Harvey. It is what a referee would potentially describe as unnecessary, dangerous conduct. Not that any dangerous conduct is necessary, but then you've also got Bellini into the back. Is that because he's getting up? Is that malicious? We don't know. Only Joe Morrell could really tell us that. In your verdict, Alex, is that a deserving red card? Or is it harsh? I mean, I was watching it on iFollow, and I, I was exactly the same as you. I had no idea what had happened. And you just hear the commentary saying that Joe Morrell's got a red card. It made absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Um, obviously, immediately then at halftime, you jump onto Twitter and you try to see sort of closer sort of videos of the incident because I finally didn't give the replays. And right, I mean, there's, there's there's a couple of elements to this, and I think it it is quite infuriating from a Pompey fan's perspective because you've got the first element is of course the original challenge on Joe Morrell. Now that's a challenge that wouldn't look out of out of place in a judo competition. I'm sorry, he was literally <laughs> hauled to the ground in a headlock. He was yeah. landed upon by the MK Dons player by defending a corner. I mean, Joe Morrell is the shortest player on the pitch, for goodness sakes, and he's being absolutely manhandled by this, you know, what I presume is a centre-half or a midfielder. I wasn't quite sure of the position of this player. But, you know, so so that's the first element to it. So I think it, it, there's, there's every right for him to be quite frustrated. But we were given a free kick. It should have been a booking in my eyes. I mean, how that isn't violent conduct, I've no idea. It should have at least been a booking. So you then get to the situation where Joe Morrell then leans his head in, as you say. Now, if... Now, the, the reason I think it was it was because of the head lean rather than anything to do with his sort of kneeing in the back, supposedly, was because he sort of leans his head towards this player and then this player then clutches the back of his head. Now, listen, mm. we all are around football. We know what footballers are like. We know that this is not an uncommon sight, them trying to sort of con referees and things like that. Now, the referee's given a, a free kick. He's nowhere near the incident at this moment in time. The linesman's on the far side. This is right on the penalty spot, effectively, on the edge of the six-yard box, maybe. So I'm not really sure how he can see it, considering the box was congested just following the corner. Yeah. So for me, it almost feels like they've guessed, and it almost feels like because this player's gone down and clutched his head. Now, if he's, I mean, if it's for what Morel did with his head, are we seriously sending a player off for leaning? I know you're not supposed to lunge towards somebody if you're in a confrontation with your head, but leaning towards him after you've just been brought down like that, <laughs> that is, that's violent conduct, that's a red card. And again, I will would put a lot of money on it saying that it wasn't because the referee or the assistant had seen it. Of course, we don't know what they're saying to each other. They have the earpieces and things like that. But it's 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 definitely, in my eyes, because of the fact that this player goes down clutching his head after... I mean, it is pathetic, quite frankly. I know we see footballers do it, but it is pathetic. <laughs> this player going down clutching his head after this lean. I think he's, calls, he's made the call on the decision off the back of that rather than what he's seen. If it's a knee in the back, then maybe there's more of a call for it. I, for me, it, it, there is no... I mean, it is silly for Morel. Don't do anything that gives a referee an excuse because you know that officials, a lot of the time, will get decisions wrong. They he, don't, he's given the opportunity to make the decision, sense. hasn't he, Joe Morel? He's been given, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's poor from him. But in my eyes, the fact that we're still speculating over it, I think says a lot, really. The fact that we mm. can't decide or see anything in any replays that we've seen that would suggest that it's a red card. I think just says it all. Um, I, it was a baffling decision to me. It cost us the game. I think we would have easily won the game without that. It was 11 v 11. So to me, it's it's a, it's a ridiculous decision. And it, it's a, quite um, a damning indictment of the refereeing standards in England at the moment, in my opinion. And we talk about the fact that we are still talking about it somewhat. We're over 48 hours later now here on this Sunday evening. And the, the fact that a lot of confusion and frustration from Friday did stem from the fact that, as, as Alex has rightfully mentioned there, it wasn't a straight decision from the referee. He didn't just go straight over to Joe Morrell and give him a red card. There was dialogue between him 
and the linesman on the far side. Clearly, the referee's not seen it straight away. The linesman had has had his input, who is at a further distance, and with those bodies in the box, it was a difficult one to see. Nonetheless, we've seen it on the replay. We know it's very, very stupid from Joe Morrell, something that shouldn't be done. Um, but whether it's a red card or not, that's something that ultimately, unfortunately, the referee on the day um, can only decide. Alex, we mentioned that we're sat here talking about it over 48 hours later. Look, if, if it's a definite, definite red card, we will sit here and we will say, fair enough, it's silly, it's a red card, move on, we'll talk about the incident, we crack on to the next point. However... Given the fact we're still talking about it 48 hours later, we don't necessarily know why it's given. We don't know how he's come to the conclusion to send Joe Morell off. Does this give further leverage to the idea that many supporters have thrown up, but the EFL, the FA seem to always ignore, of having post-match interviews with the referee? Even if it's you know a, a neutral um, interviewer, someone <coughs> who, with no allegiances to, to either side, just to go over the, the key moments from the game, the key decisions, some of the controversial moments like that one, and just say, "Give us your input. Why did you give? Why did you make that decision?" Then they can explain it and go on. Give us their sort of their version of events, what they would ultimately put in their report to the EFL. Why not tell supporters that? Because if we're on our way back from MK on on Friday and we can actually hear just a 60-second snippet of a referee explaining exactly what was going through his his head at the moment, then I think that would put um, put a lot of concerns to bed and it'd give, it'd give a lot of clarity to supporters, wouldn't it? Exactly, and I think this is the thing. I mean, the, I suppose the counter-argument to interviews is that the press would, I think this is something that Mike Dean said, actually, is that the press would only ever focus on the negative decisions. But I think when you can almost, the alternative to that is just have the referee make a statement. I don't necessarily question mm. them. But in a position like that, as you say, they almost incriminate themselves by not making a statement. Because mm. if they don't make a statement, we're, as I say, we're sitting here 48 hours later, as, you know, in the media speculating over this, this, this decision because we've got no idea what's happened. If he comes out and says it was because of such and such. Now, if he comes out and said it's for the head lean, I think I would say that that's not enough because that does not constitute violent conduct. But at least then... It's like, okay, well, that's because he's interpreted the rules in that way or the rules are there to be interpreted Mm -hmm. in that way. So you either blend the referee or the rules in the first place. The fact that you don't get any explanation whatsoever. Mm. I mean, we don't know whether he was talking to the linesman through his earpiece. As you say, it just leaves us all in limbo. And all we end up doing, as I've been doing for the last (laughs) five minutes, and you've been very patient with me, is just criticising the referees because they, they just... They just open themselves up for it by not giving any kind of explanation as to why as to why the decision was made. I actually think a lot of fans would have respect for it, yeah. even if it, in their opinion, was the wrong decision. I think they have a lot of respect for referees if they actually came out and made a statement. Mm. To me, it just it, yeah. Again, I, I think the the officiating standards need a big review um, throughout the EFL and indeed in the Premier League with yeah. the, the farcical <laughs> uh, the farcical notion that is VAR at the moment after mm. this weekend. So I think it, it it's part of a bigger problem. But, I mean, it, that was just ridiculous that we have no idea what the referee's given it for. I mean, a 10-second statement surely could be mm-hmm. given. But, I mean, that's just it. That's just the football world we live in, unfortunately. Just want a bit of closure as supporters. <laughs> that's all we want, just to know why. Why you've made the decision. And as you mentioned, Alex, Mike Dean saying, you know, we're not going to highlight the, the, the good decisions that referees make. Well, we don't need to. We know they've made a good decision. If, <laughs> if there's a big incident in a game like there was on Friday, you come out, you, you give a very, very short interview to a, a neutral broadcaster. Um, you explain why the decision was given. Whether the fans agree with it or not, you actually understand the referee's interpretation. 
that is up for debate. Um, and if there's no big decisions or, or both sides deem that, that there are no sort of big decisions that's influenced uh, uh, the result of the game, then there's no need to do an interview. Um, but hey-ho, this is something that we need to... I don't know. don't know how we're going to get it implemented, but who knows? EFL, if you're listening, maybe just have a think about it. Have a little think about it. Right. Let's move away from that. And after the break, we're going to continue to talk about the key events from Friday's game. We'll also come on to preview tomorrow's visit of Morecambe to Fratton Park. But first now, let's hear from Pompey's head coach himself. John Busino spoke to Max Watson following the full-time whistle on Friday afternoon. John, one all at Stadium MK. What's your take on the game? I mean, uh, yeah, a real up and down game uh, in, in terms of looking at the, the two halves and, and obviously uh, the result probably doesn't tell you the, f- the full picture. But I thought we were excellent when we, we came out in the first half and for 35 minutes we completely dominated the game and uh, in possession and out of possession as well. We, we knew from having watched MK over the past couple of weeks that they were a really, really threatening side. I think they've I'm beaten in, in four, they won three of them. Um, I know that Mark Jackson was up for, for manager of the month quite rightly because they've really turned things around and uh, we knew we were going to play a good side with a lot of experience pros coming back so uh, the reason I say that is because we pressed really well I thought we contained them brilliantly they didn't have too many opportunities in the first half and they actually didn't get into our final third um, many times I really can't remember a time when I thought they were threatening too much and in possession we were we were good I thought we were fluid we created chances um, and so yeah it was it was really pleasing from that point of view the second half obviously is completely different because we go down to 10 men but again we showed a different side of, of our game really dug in really really resilient and you know, brilliant to come away with a point in the end considering the circumstances Conor Ogilvy's opening goal came within the fifth, came within 15 minutes how important was it for you to start fast especially in front of all those fans in the away end yeah it was it felt at times like it was a, it was a home game and, and there were some really sort of exciting points especially in the second half where I thought we were, we were sniffing the win and yeah it, it was good we wanted to start the game fast we wanted to control the game especially here on a, on a big pitch on a, a good big pitch and where there's two sides that want to dominate possession and and I thought we did a really good job of doing that and and came out, got the goal, fully deserved it and I thought we looked threatening to go and get another so really, really happy with that I think we have to separate the the two parts of the game with with 11 men and 10 men and look at both sides of it and uh, I'm really pleased with both of them Yeah, Joe Morrell's red card obviously had a massive impact on the game Have you spoken to the referee? Do you know what it was for? Yeah, um, so so the referee said there was sort of an altercation when, when they got up from the ground I think we've had a good look at it uh, what we do know is that the reason that Joe was on the ground is because uh, the MK player decided that uh, he was going to put him in a headlock and wrestle him to the ground, which you know, we just thought should have been a red card anyway. I, I can't understand how the, the four between them haven't seen anything there. Um, and it, you know, from the footage I've seen, you can't actually see anything in terms of what Joe Morrell's done. So, uh, yeah, a, a bit of a stranger. I think the linesman's give it in the end. I, I don't think there was much in it, to be honest, from, from what we've seen. And um, we'll have a look at it. We'll see what the referee puts in his report and then go from there. So what did you say to your team at half-time when you obviously just suffered that blow on the pitch? How did your game plan shift when you went down to 10 men? Yeah, obviously, we, we were a lot more defensive and, and we, we sat in, but my thought was that they're going to have to come and break us down. And, and we did really well to, to prevent them from really having any chances in the second half. Uh, they, they had the goal, which was the second phase from a set piece with the ball sort of bobbled around in the box and broke to them. Um, and then there was the long-range shot from 40 yards, which Matt saved really well. Apart from that, Matt had nothing else to do. So we defended crosses really well, we defended set pieces really well. Um, I thought we really restricted them to, to chances considering when MK have got 11 men they're a good side to play against let alone when um, we're down to 10. 
yeah, MK had a lot of the ball in the second half, but momentum, momentum shifted late on. Must have thought Pickers' effort was in at the end. Yeah, I thought that was. Uh, I thought that was. We're right behind it, and it was a really good period of play, passage of play. Um, the, the subs coming on, I thought, made a massive difference, and it was. Yeah, it was a shame that that didn't um, nestle in the in the top corner because I think everybody would have. Uh, I don't know what the reaction from the away fans would have been, but it certainly would have been a bit of uh, bedlam for a few minutes. And just a word on the support. I mentioned earlier about the 4,000 Pompey fans that made the trip today. What's your message to them? Oh, they were amazing today. There were a lot of times in the game where it just felt like a home game for us. Um, I'm pretty sure they felt aggrieved with with what was uh, what was what they saw on the pitch in terms of um, some of the officiating. But they you know they got on with it, got got behind the lads. There were some real moments in the second half where I thought they they sort of sniffed the excitement of us going and getting a win. And we broke a couple of times. We didn't really get too many opportunities apart from the one at the back end. So yeah, they were they were absolutely amazing. And and, um, you know, we, we're still going again. We've, we've got a really good point away from home and, and we'll go again on Monday. Yeah, on to Monday now. How will you approach the Morecambe game? I think we'll have to watch Morecambe in their last couple of games. We had the fortune of watching them here against uh, Milton Keynes uh, previously, so we've, we've got a bit of um, insight into, into how they play. And, and we know that Morecambe, are, you know, they're scrapping for their lives at the bottom of the league and they're going to be a tough opposition, as we, we see every week and as we saw last week at Forest Green. So we, I think, first of all, we have to reassess where everything is physically and, and see where the boys are at. Uh, and then we'll go from there when, um, when we're back in and, and see where we are for the preparation for Morecambe. The post-match results of the head coach John Musino speaking to uh, Max Swatton after the full-time whistle on Friday afternoon. Uh, Marcus Deakins on the email says two points dropped away thanks to a ridiculous red card and other results not quite helping us either. Only positives to take from this that we would have almost certainly lost today uh, under Danny and Nicky and that Musino is doing fantastically well with an inherited siding. If given a bit of backing, could really turn us into a force next season. We really need to sort our discipline as bands and being reduced to 10 men has cost us far too many times this season thank you to Marcus for getting in touch on the emails there right after the break we'll have the conclusion of tonight's episode of the football hour where myself Jake Smith and Alex Fletcher will look ahead to the Blues Easter Monday encounter with Morecambe so don't move a muscle and stay tuned for even more passionately Pompey discussion this is the football hour 93.7 Express FM Go by bus. Go greener with Stagecoach. Next stop, a cleaner, greener future. Did you know that if we all ditch the car and switch to a bus just once a month for a year, we'd save the UK 2 million tonnes of CO2? Switch to bus, because by switching, you can make a big difference. Get on board a Stagecoach bus for a cleaner, greener future. For more information, go to switchtobus.com. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. Welcome back for the final time tonight to the Football Hour here on Express FM, driven to you by Stagecoach South. On hand for your public transportation needs across the city of Portsmouth, along the south coast and right the way through Hampshire too. So far on the show this evening, we've picked apart the key events from Friday's stalemate between Pompey and MK Dons up in Buckinghamshire and heard the post-match assessment of the Blues head coach too. But now we come to the final 13 minutes of the episode and this here, last orders for you to get in touch with the show back home. How would you like to see Pompey line up tomorrow? What do you believe the score will be at Fratton Park? And how confident are you now of the Blues' chances to finish within the top six? 81400 is the number you need to text. Make sure you're starting those messages with the word express. Otherwise, you can email sport at expressfm.com, tweet using at expressfm, or find us over on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pompey live. 
We'll get to a few of those soon, but first, let's have a gander at Pompey's Easter Monday opponents. It's Morecambe, who we put under the spotlight this evening. After a good Friday stalemate with MK Dons put a slight dent in their playoff hopes, the Blues will be looking to rise back to winning ways on Easter Monday. Morecambe, the opponents for Matchday 41. Pompey Live, this week's opposition. John Lucino's side are now five points adrift off the top six, with six games remaining, and for four of those matches, will be without midfielder Joe Morrell. They take on the struggling Shrimps next. Both sides have a lot on the line at this late stage of the season. Manager. Former Ross Cal- County, Plymouth Argyle and Bradford City boss Derek Adams is the man in charge of Morecambe. The 47-year-old Glaswegian had been at the helm of the Shrimps between November 2019 and June 2021, replacing the long-serving Jim Bentley at the Mazuma Stadium. Adams brought Morecambe into League One at the first time of asking, securing promotion to the third tier for the first time in the club's history, thanks to an extra-time victory over Newport County in the League Two playoff final in May 2021. He returned to the club last February, just nine days after being dismissed by Bradford, replacing the man who had been brought in to succeed him, Stephen Robinson. One to watch. Senegalese midfielder Pup Suare is our one to watch on this occasion. The 32-year-old shocked the Football League when his arrival on the Lancashire coast was announced on March 17th. Soare joined Morecambe on a short deal until the end of the season, having previously spent 10 months out of the game following his release from Charlton Athletic last May. The former Lille and Crystal Palace fullback has made four appearances for the Shrimps so far and, although results have not improved since his arrival, he does bring Premier League experience to a club who currently look destined to be returning to League Two very soon. Top scorer. Brighton and Hove Albion Loney Jensen Weir is currently top of Morecambe's goal-scoring charts this term. The 21-year-old midfielder currently has nine league goals to his name, as well as one in the Papa John's Trophy. Witt, who is enjoying his second loan spell from the Premier League outfit following last season's time with Cambridge United, wears the number 15 shirt for the Shrimps. Current form. Derek Adams' side have secured just one league victory from their last 14 attempts and have failed to win any of their previous nine. They're currently on a run of three straight defeats, following a 1-0 loss at MK Dons, a 5-0 thrashing away at Barnsley, and on Good Friday, a 3-1 defeat at home to Plymouth Argyle. As things stand, Morecambe sit 23rd in the League One table with just 34 points. Eight points clear of Rockbottom Forest Green Rovers, but five adrift of Oxford United in the final safe position, having also played more games than any of the teams around them. In the reverse of this fixture back in November, the two sides shared the spoils in a one-all draw, thanks to goals from Liam Shaw and Colby Bishop at the Mazuma Stadium. Can the Blues turn their fortunes around and get back to winning ways, or will the Shrimps begin what could be the start of a very late attempt at a great escape? All of the unmissable action on Pompey Live. Closer look into Derek Adams Morecambe there um, ahead of tomorrow's game at Fratton Park. We've been over the the events from the first half on Saturday, of course. Pompey drawing only one all with uh, struggling MK Dons on Good Friday. The equaliser came in the second half from none other than Mo Isa on the 65th minute, converting after a bit of a mix-up at the back. It saw a failed clearance from Pompey, followed by Macy, Matt Macy, the goalkeeper, coming out to close with striker down. We had Deshaun Bernard 
the line, but he was unable to clear it. And uh, MK equalised, and it was a little bit um, sort of one-way traffic from MK in that second half against Ten Ben Pompey. Um, we, we saw that back four announced um, on Friday. Alex, the the lineup was shown at 2 p.m. John Messina had opted for uh, a back four of Joe Rafferty, Sean Raggett, Deshaun Bernard, and Connor Ogilvy. Uh, Clark Robertson on the bench. Riley Towler travelled with the squad, but not included. Something that John Messina cleared up with Andy Moon after the game to say that he's not injured, not ill. That was purely a tactical decision. Alex, your thoughts on that one? It's an interesting one, actually. I was, I was intrigued when um, we saw Dishon uh, Bernard's name on the on team sheet, but I don't think it's something that many people can complain about. There seems to have been some sort of issue, perhaps, between Messino and Taulo um, over the last few weeks, but I've sort of been convinced. Because obviously, uh, Clark Robertson came back into the team for the for the last home game and it was against Forest Green, and then we obviously had, you know, before that, Dishon Bernard had played briefly, but not for too long. So to see him, to see him come into the team for Taulo, as I say, not even to be in the squad, mm. um, isn't... It's not going to make him particularly happy. I'm not really, you know, certain of the man management sort of thoughts on that one. But from a from Bernard's point of view, I don't think he's done anything to not merit that position. I think generally, particularly in that first half, he was he was quite adventurous. He mm. did step out maybe a little bit too much, but he was certainly an adventurous centre half when we were on top of play. So I don't think it was a bad decision. And I don't think it's something that will necessarily change. I don't think that back four will change going into uh, Monday, unless when he talks about a tactical decision, does he mean? Listen, we've got two games in four days. Mm. Let's try and rotate it. I've got three, well, perhaps even four, four fit and competent centre-halves. So let's just rotate it a little bit. So perhaps Mm. it's that. If it's not, I think there may be some some work to do with Towler to sort of regain his confidence over that one because I can't imagine he'd have been too happy. Not so. And and by no stretch of the imagination was it a bad performance from Deshaun Bernard. That's not why we're questioning that. But for someone like Riley Towler, who's come into the side uh, in January from Bristol City, played so, so well, really become a bit of a fan favourite amongst the fan base. Had a a few difficult games over the last few weeks and uh, not quite hit him the same standard as he had done, perhaps, uh, in sort of January and February and certainly in the start of March um, but nonetheless he was uh, dropped on Friday John Messina elected to keep him out of the match day 18 and bring in Deshaun Bernard into the starting 11 uh, for the first time since the 11th of February um, that was a defeat of course away to current league leaders at Plymouth Argyle so yeah great to see Deshaun Bernard back into the team alongside Sean Raggett obviously at the expense of Clark Robertson who dropped to the bench and even deeper Riley Towler dropping out of the team all together and Deshaun Bernard Alex mentioned there heading lots away in the first half he was there at every given opportunity pretty much but MK were throwing forward and then in the second half yes Pompey conceded the goal but if you actually look at the replay of the goal it was Deshaun Bernard on the line who had made the attempt to the clearance didn't quite connect onto it but after what was a bit of a confusion in the box at least someone was there on the line it was Deshaun Bernard um, like I say unfortunately unable to actually clear it in the end but um yeah, a relatively strong performance from Deshaun Bernard, like I say, making his first start in almost two months. Um, obviously, the, the sending off had a, a big influence in that second half. Alex, Joe Morrell putting Pompey down to 10 men. We've got, gone over in very great detail the, the actual incident itself. Um, that had a big influence, of course, in the second half. But what did you make of John Messino's decision to set up Pompey a little bit more defensively in the second half, sit back a little bit, invite that pressure and, and try to retain that lead? Do you think that ultimately, in hindsight, it was maybe the wrong decision to do that? Or do you think that maybe playing it safe with 10 men, a point takeaway from MK Dons, you move on to the next game, perhaps not the worst decision? I think it's a manager's worst nightmare, particularly when you're away from home. Um, I think it's 
it, it's such a, it's such a difficult one because obviously if you then come out, you obviously show ambition. I think when we we remember playing against um, Accrington at Fratton Park last season, and we went down to ten men whilst we were one 0 up, and we ended up winning the game four 0 that's because we just made best use of the opportunities we had going forward. They would dominate the ball. Obviously, they've got the extra man. But we would just make best use. I think we scored from two set pieces, and we just made best use of the way going forward. It, it's a lot more difficult to do that when you're away from home. MK Dons are sort of scrapping. I think they were probably a better team on balance than that Accrington team we played last year. So it is, a, it is a very, very tricky one for a manager. I think you could have said, yeah, let's come out. Let's try and attack. Let's play forward-thinking football. But then you leave yourself completely exposed at the back and... And then you obviously you could end up losing the game. You could end up losing the game quite badly as well. And as soon as you, you know, are losing, if you're chasing the game then with ten men, it's almost an impossible task. I think the mental strength that you have to have, particularly for Ogilvy, who was up against I forget the name of the um, I think it's Leco, I think his name is it. Yeah. Um the winger for MK Dons who seems very, very tricky, has a lot of quality. Uh, that that kind of mental strength to to keep up with a player like that throughout the entirety of the second half with ten men is very, very difficult. Yeah. So I suppose if you then add physical exhaustion to that from sort of running up and down the pitch, trying to attack, trying to defend, then you're gonna do more of that when you're a man light as well. It that can be a complete capitulation in the end. And almost we did go forward, we had that great chance of Piggott at the end. I was just just begging for that ball to just dip a little bit further and just go in off the bottom of the crossbar rather than the top. But, mm. you know, I, I don't think any real blame can be pointed towards Massini on that one. I think he's sort of damned if he, do, damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. You know, if that yeah. ball goes in from Piggott, he's being held as a fantastic manager. Who's, yeah. You know, got a smash and grab point away from home at MK Dons. It, it's it's a matter of inches. So I don't think anyone can really, can really criticise him. I don't think anybody can realistically say that the tactics should have been any different and if they had been there's no guarantee we would have got the same result i think we probably more likely would have been worse yeah. so i think it's fair enough what, what we did in the end joe piggott of course brought on the 91st minute and the 92nd minute um pompey's real first chance of that second half joe piggott's effort as alex has mentioned there from uh, just inside the box clipped off the bar and over that would have been some fantastic limbs at stadium mk we've had them before haven't we just over four thousand pompey fans there fantastic to see alex really really quickly pompey versus morgan tomorrow your score prediction please I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say 3-0. They're not in brilliant form. I think at home we're a different animal. Alex, thank you. I think I'm going to go for a I'll go for a 2-0 Pompey win. Back to winning ways for the Blues. And I think they'll uh, keep their unbeaten record as it stands and extend it to six games in League One. Well, hopefully Pompey can start to close the gap even more so after a bump in the road on Friday afternoon. They're currently five points adrift off the playoff positions. But as I say, could be closing the gap to the top six tomorrow afternoon when they take on Morecambe at Fratton Park. You can join us for all of the unmissable action of that game right here on Express FM from two o'clock. All the unmissable action. This is Pompey Live. It was a story of what could have been for Portsmouth as they drew 1-1 away at MK Dons on Good Friday. It's a good one, Ogilvy's there, and Ogilvy scored! And it's loose in the penalty area, and it's going to fall for Misa, and it's into the net, and MK Dons have got the level up. Next up, the Blues host Morecambe. Join us for all of the unmissable action tomorrow afternoon from 2. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. That's right, Easter Monday football at Fratton Park tomorrow afternoon from 2 o'clock. You can catch all of the pre-match build-up, half-time analysis and post-game reaction live from PO4 with myself, Robbie James, and Pompey Women's manager, Jay Sadler as well. Big shout-out too for Pompey Women as well. Today, 3-0 victors away at Cheltenham Town in the FA Women's National League Southern Premier Division, really keeping uh, the pressure on the top three in the league. It's going to come down right to the wire, I imagine, in the league campaign for 
of Pompey Women. We'll hear more from Jay Sadler on Pompey Live tomorrow afternoon. Big thank you to Stagecoach Across myself for supporting another season of the Footblower, of course. Thank you to everyone who listened back home. And a big thank you to Alex Fletcher joining us over the phone lines tonight. Alex, thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your Easter weekend celebrations. Thanks, Jake. Same to you. And play out Pompey. Play out Pompey indeed. Right. Big, big fixture schedule coming up in League One tomorrow as Easter Monday hits. Barnsley at home to Shrewsbury, Bolton v Cambridge, Charlton hosts Burton Albion. It's Cheltenham versus Ipswich, Derby v MK Dons, Fleetwood Bristol Rovers, Peterborough Exeter, Plymouth versus Lincoln, Port Vale Oxford, Sheffield Wednesday at Crimson Stanley, and Wickham versus Forest Green Rovers. And of course, Pompey versus Morecambe at Fratton Park. All of the unmissable action tomorrow from 2 pm live from PO4. But until then, Blues fans, thank you for listening. It's been great to have you along. Enjoy the rest of your Easter Sunday and play up Pompey. Good night.